Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning. It is Friday, April 28th. I am Tanya, and this is the Witch Daily Show. So I don't know if you could tell this week, I, because normally I record all of the episodes the weekend before the week, right? So you might be able to tell that this week I'm kind of doing it day by day, and it's because I had a really busy weekend, and I just kind of had to do it during the week. And I think you can tell because I just have a lot more to talk about that's like off the cuff. Um, but I, something I've been, I've done since my 20s, and I don't know why this is, but I have a really strong sense of like past me and future me. So sometimes I'll do things to help future Tanya right? If I'm like, oh, I, I know I'm going to be working on this thing in three months. Let me uh, organize it this way so it's easier for future Tanya, right? And Or it's the opposite. Or I'm like, this has to be future Tanya's problem because my the version of myself right now can't handle this. And I just found a note from past me. Uh, and this is like a month ago past me. And the note was, I've been working on this for two hours just grab anything you understand. <laughs> and, and like current me is like, yeah, I got you. I do understand. We'll get through this together. <laughs> and I've always kind of have viewed my life in like past to me, current me and future me. And I kind of like it because I feel like we're all a team. And so sometimes like a future Tanya just is going to have to handle it. Uh, sometimes I will try to do things to help future Tanya. Sometimes current me will find like things from past me. And I'm just like, ah. when I thought it was really funny, I was like, oh, it's a note from, from Tanya a month ago who was just done. And I was like, let me help her out. So it was just really super funny. So anyways, we are skipping our tea segment today. One, because I do get teed out. We talk about tea every day. Sorry for the on. We talk about tea every day. I do get teed out, you know. Uh, so we're skipping tea today. But today's episode is brought to you by Grow Your Own Optimist by Olive Blake. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Um, our quote of the day is, what would life be if we had no courage to attempt anything? Vincent Van Gogh. So let's move right into some headlines. Let's see. This article comes to us from gaytimes.co.uk. Net Netflix's Bastard Son and the Devil himself ticks all the right queer boxes. Oh. Okay. What is this? I'm so excited. So it has been a bumper year for young adult queer content on Netflix. Oh my gosh, not Netflix, but I'm telling you, Yellow Jackets. I love it. 
A heartstopper charmed audiences with its uplifting take on first love, teenage angst intensified in the second installment of Young Royals, and the raunchy Spanish soap opera Elite has just returned for its sixth season. Competing for attention with snappier titles that enjoyed higher profile launches, Half Bad, The Bastard Son and the Devil Himself, has regrettably flown under the radar. The Fairborns and the Bloods are at war with Joe Barton's adaptation of Sally Green's Half Bad trilogy. These two clans of witches have been fighting each other for generations. And the eight-episode series starts as the conflict is escalating. The Fairborns fear that 16-year-old Nathan will become dangerous uh, like his absent father Marcus, infamous for uh, massacring Fairborns and stealing their powers. Joined by his fairborn friend and love interest, Annalise, and the mischievous French blood witch, Gabriel, Nathan is in a race against time to save his own life, grow into his power, and figure out his place in the world. Now, this probably all sounds like generic young adult fantasy kind of stuff. Honestly, it sounds great to me, but who am I? <laughs> so some stuff, so some sort of Twilight-esque roman romantic adventure, but with witches. Fear not, however, Barton's witty dialogue, the ex the uh, detailed special effects, and the undeniable polyamorous chemistry of the leads elevate the series and push the boundaries of the genre. Barton's writing deftly balances raw emotion with humor. Nathan's sarcastic quips and snarky wisecracks make him instantly recognizable. Of course, teenage Brit would mockingly ask, so is there a Wi-Fi password or something, when dealing with the ridiculousness of having been kidnapped by the armed gang of witches and sent to the camp in the middle of nowhere to train to kill his father. Nathan's rebellious uh, rebelliousness loosens up the series, providing relief from the intensely emotional scenes and making them more poignant. Some of the very first scenes that feature Nathan and his cruel half-sister Jessica talking about their mother's death is particularly haunting. So yeah, if you're kind of into this whole like, it sounds like young adult fantasy, sure, sure, but witches, and it kind of has this Romeo Juliet thing where they're like, these, there's these two families, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it sounds good. It sounds good. I like that there's a little bit of queerness going on with like, this this love triangle between these and a true love triangle from what it sounds like between the leads um i'm down i don't know are you down i i, I i'm into it you know it sounds really good so that that's really cool and yeah sometimes like really good stuff just kind of flies under the radar like um there have been a few like i am so sad that teenage bounty hunters did not get its moment in the spotlight. That was such a fun show and it was funny and quippy and it showed religion. It showed Christians in like a non, it showed Christians in a way that like, I still really liked the show, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, and it just went under the radar, but there was like a wonderful little, um, frenemies to lovers, like queer, thing happening and I really enjoyed it and it makes me so sad that it just did not get the love it deserved. So sometimes this really good stuff just like flies under the radar, you know? All right, witches, I'm throwing this over to our moon correspondent and after this break, we will talk more. 
Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Friday, April 28th. The waxing crescent moon bristles with confidence in Leo today. Here, the moon squares Mercury and Uranus. Mercury is still retrograde, and its conjunction to Uranus is making this Mercury retrograde feel especially volatile. We may be getting a lot of information that we can't trust, especially as it relates to our financial situation. Remember that these vibes are temporary. We're struggling to adapt as the informational curveballs are making us rethink our situation, but be flexible. Take each thing as it comes. Don't try to anticipate the next pitch. Your daily moon mantra is, if you want the rainbow, you gotta put up with the rain. This has been your Daily Moon Mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. From the pages of Which Way magazine comes a new collection of stories by longtime fiction contributor Olivia Blake called Grow Your Own Optimist. Featuring a never-before-seen short story, Grow Your Own Optimist is often romantic, occasionally satirical, and always unexpected. These surprising tales of demons, devil's advocates, dystopia, and dating remind us that there is magic to be found in the dark places. Olive Blake is a New York Times bestselling author of The Atlas Six and several other books, including the Which Way anthology, The Answer You Are Looking For Is Yes, and the novella La Petite Mort. She lives in Los Angeles with her husband, Goblin Prince Toddler, and Rescue Pitbull. Find the new anthology series, Grow Your Own Optimist by Olivia Blake, wherever books are sold. All right, so we are back. So this is not witchy, but during our break, I did a quick little scroll through Facebook and I saw a post shared 21 minutes ago from Kevin Smith. I greatly look up to Kevin Smith, just I just as a creative. Um, and he shared something that I just thought would be nice to share, especially as I think this is just maybe a difficult time for a lot of us. And I think this year is going to be a moment of re self-evaluation for almost everybody. So Kevin Smith shared on his Facebook, having been a creature of the internet for 28 years now, I fully expect to get trolled for this, but if it can help some folks, it's worth it. So here goes a few months back. I went through a mental health crisis. After then, some coming to Grin Alternatives, I sought help at a mental health facility where therapists saved my life and helped me find my lost marbles. I learned incredibly useful information on the subject of trauma, and I've shot a video about it so that the other folks who've experienced trauma and minimized it to survive might not feel so alone, split, embarrassed, or broken. There's always help out there, kids. Don't be afraid to ask for it. Seek it out. At the other side of the hardest thing you'll ever go through lies your joy. Seize it, because you deserve happiness in the very short life we're lucky enough to get. As bad as troubles can get, it can always get better. Don't waste your time obsessing over the unchangeable past. Stop worrying about the unknown future and focus on this moment, the here, the now, and breathe. Before I left the place that helped me, my therapist wrote down these words on an index card, and I will always carry them with me for the rest of my days. You do not have to earn love. You are lovable simply because you exist. I thought that was very nice. Um, 
yeah, it looks like he did a video for people. So I'll, I'll have to check that out when uh, I'm done recording. But I thought that was nice. Um, I really like Kevin Smith a lot for the personal stuff he has shared in terms of his personal experiences. His uh, experiences around health um, are very personal to me. And I don't know, I just like his work. So um, yeah, just wanted to share. All right. So moving into our question of the day, April wants us to talk about Walpurgis knot. So all right, let's do it. <laughs> uh, this comes to us from worldhistory.org. Walpurgis Night, which is April 30th annually, is a modern-day European and Scandinavian festival derived from the merging of ancient pagan celebration of Beltane and the commemoration of the canonization of the Christian saint Walpurga. The ancient Celtic Sabbath of Beltane, which had merged with Germanic May Day, was Christianized at some point um, after the canonization of Walpurga a British Christian missionary who became famous for miraculously healing, especially uh, in terms of like the effects of witches' spells. So like Walpurgis became famous because he was like, I can heal you from the spell of that mean, mean witch. And so they were like, oh, he's, he's awesome. So let's take, um, let's take Beltane and May Day and make it all about him. So St. Walpurga was canonized and relics moved from her abbey in Heidenham to the city of Eichstatt. The date was most likely chosen to correspond to, again, Beltane, in keeping with the medieval church's policy of rededicating pagan festivals to the worship of Christian saints and events in the church calendar. The festival is often referred to as the second Halloween by neo-pagans in the present day, as it bears similarities to the observance of Samhain, when bonfires are lit, people gather for parties, and children go trick-or-treating. It is also recognized as a thin time or an in-between time. Yes, yeah, so that's something that like people do not ever recognize. So if you look at the Wheel of the Year, Samhain and Beltane are opposites. So both are considered thin times. Like I personally, just how I best remember it, when I think of Samhain thin thinness, I think of spirits and ghosts and dead. When I think of Beltane thinness, I think of sprites, elementals, and fae, like those spirits. So the last aspect of the modern day celebration has its roots firmly in Beltane cele uh, festivals, which was a Celtic celebration of renewal. The night of April 30th was considered either the awakening of troublesome spirits in the spring or the last chance for dark forces to uh, trouble the living. So the Germanic version of the celebration, the night before May Day, was known as Hexenot, which was witches' night, when witches had unusually potent powers and rituals were observed to keep them at bay, reduce their ability to cast spells, and drive them and whatever forces they unleashed away from the community. In present day, Walpurgis Night celebrates the combined elements of pagan Celtic Germanic customs with the veneration of Christian saints. Uh, fires are lit, people gather for parties to release the negative energies of the past year, and this continues until the next day, May 1st, which traditionally marks the beginning of the fertile time of spring. The year 2020 CE is the first time in over 100 years that Walpurgis Night uh, celebrations have been canceled or at least discouraged uh, because of, you know, COVID.
so yeah, it's really cool. It's um, I think it's interesting because <sighs> I think it's interesting because it is a holiday that purely exists for the sake of merging cultures, which I think is really interesting. So any description of ancient pagan festivals comes from the work of medieval Christian writers who denounced them prior to the Christianization. Even so, a number of these writers detailed the atrocious acts of the pagans and so unwill um, unwittingly preserved them. Even without such accounts, one still may glimpse the pre-Christian aspects of many Christian festivals, including Walpurgis Night. So the, uh, the church's policy of Christianiz uh, Christianizing pagan holidays is well established. Scholar Martin W. Walsh comments, quote, with the fall of the Roman Empire, it was the church's interest in its gradual conversion of Celtic and Germanic Europe to translate important aboriginal calendar dates into Christian terms. Pope Gregory the Great outlined such a policy of appropriation and transmutation. It would be a mistake, however, to view this Christianization of the pagan calendar as a straightforward process, the product of a continuous, rational campaign. Rather, we should speak of an evolving reapproachment of the two calendars uh, and traditional over the early medieval centuries, resulting in a rich mix of festival practice. Yeah, I think this, I think Walpurgis Night is a good example of that. Like, first it was like Beltane. And then, um, uh, wait, what was the other one? What was the other one? Beltane. May Day. Yeah, so it's like, okay, so we have the Celtic Beltane, and then it's merging with the Germanic May Day, which is merging with the Hexanauts, the Witches' Night, and then the Christians take these three things and go, okay, these three things we're now putting on top of it, Walpurgis. So it is like, I think this is like the perfect example of like that sort of um, merge. And I do like what the scholar said when he said, instead of looking at it like this really, really rational, straightforward thing, it's a little bit more of this merging and blending of these cultures that probably happened kind of slowly, which we often forget. I saw someone say something when they were talking about the French Revolution. Uh, oh my gosh, that's coming. Oh my gosh. I love, that's like my favorite day. Oh, what's that day called? Bastille Day. I love, I love Bastille Day. So um, they say when you see it in history, people often think it happened really fast, right? Like overnight, bam, revolution. But really, Re you know, revolution happens over years. And whenever you feel like, oh, are we really moving forward? Are we doing what we want to be doing? Um, you have to remember that it just takes years and we might just be in the middle of a revolution. So I think that's really nice. All right, witches, that was a really fun exploration. Thank you so much. Uh, I think it was April. I really appreciate the suggestion because that was a really fun little conversation. All right, witches, we are wrapping up this episode of the Witch Daily Show. I want to give a shout out to listener Stephanie Pinion. Stephanie, you sweet, transcendent moth. Candace Cabell, you powerful, brilliant butterfly. Rachel Brady, loyal, dreamlike starfish. And finally, Beth, you cunning, luminous sunset. Thank you for so much for being Patreon supporters. I really, really appreciate it. 
And before we leave, we do have a card pull. Our card today is Two of Chalices from the Buffy Tarot. Let's see. A beautiful silver cross marked the beginning of Buffy's partnership with Angel, a relationship that would launch them both into self-discovery, co-slang, and true love. If this card has found its way into your reading, it means you are on the precipice of similarly exciting union, romantic or not. You have found someone who gets you, who wants to have your back, and is aligned with your goals. Lucky you. And before we leave, just a reminder for our Patreon people, we do have um, a live show recording April 30th, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, uh, where I will record a episode of the podcast live and you can interact and ask questions. Usually there's just a few, but it's always a really good time. Last time I thought there were only two of you and I told like an embarrassing story and then I looked and there were more of you. <laughs> and I was like, oh no. Um, so that's it. We will... Uh, talk next week witches we hope you have a wonderful day full of joy and gentleness and confidence links for this week's episodes our website patreon along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com one stop for everything we talk about now Take one more deep breath and have a great day. I had an abortion when I was 15 years old in my home state of Arizona in 1994. It was not a decision that I made lightly, but I have never for one moment doubted that it was the right decision for me. But so much has changed in Arizona and many other states since then. If I were that same 15-year-old in Arizona today legally, I would have to get parental consent. I would be forced to undergo a medically unnecessary ultrasound, go to a state-mandated in-person counseling session designed solely to shame me into changing my mind, and then take a state-mandated 24-hour time out to make sure I really know what I wanted. And finally, I would be forced to give the state a reason why. Well, here is mine. It is my body, not the state's. Women and their doctors are the ones that are in the best position to make informed decisions about what is best for them no one else. No bill that criminalizes abortion will stop anyone from making this incredibly painful decision. These bans will not stop abortion from happening, but they will drive women and girls and people into the shadows, which is what this has always been about, shaming and controlling women's bodies. In the week after I shared my story on my show, women were coming up to me in the street, in the supermarket, at my gym, with tears in their eyes, thanking me for my bravery. But the word brave didn't sit right with me. Why is it brave to speak to an experience that millions of people around the world throughout history have gone through? And then I realized it is considered brave because as women, we have been taught to feel shame about our bodies since birth. I am so sad that we have to sit here in front of a row of politicians and give deeply personal statements because the why doesn't matter, it should not matter. 
I am a human being that deserves autonomy in this country that calls itself free, and choices that a human being makes about their own bodies should not be legislated by strangers who can't possibly know or understand each individual circumstances or beliefs. I'm here today to help destigmatize a legitimate medical procedure and continue to encourage women not to allow themselves to be shamed for their choices. And finally, I am here today for my two little girls, Birdie and Cricket. My dream for them is that they will live in a world in which women are truly equal with complete control over their own reproductive health. That is the dream I hold for all people, regardless of their privilege or parents or what state they live in. That dream is slipping further and further from reality with every ban passed. I hope that you, our elected leaders, can help us reverse the tide. Thank you. I look forward to today's discussion.